and welcome to episode eight of the Salesforce Posse podcast, recorded on the 6th of December with myself, Francis Pinder, and... And me, Anoop Jadhav. Uh, in this podcast, we're going to re- uh, recap all the fun of Dreamforce uh, and basically all the announcements that happened as well. Uh, and also, Anoop didn't make it this year, so uh, it may be some bits new for you or not. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've tried to follow a lot of stuff on Twitter and I've watched a few videos online afterwards, uh, especially about some of the new announcements that they made. But yeah, it would be great to hear your view because you were there uh, and you attended quite a few talks uh, around some of these new platform innovations that's happening. So I'd be, I'm quite keen and eager to talk about that. Yeah, and it's actually quite... So I didn't go last year, which is my first time I hadn't been for about eight years or so. Um, so I don't know if it was just me forgetting how busy it was, but it did seem really busy this year. Over 171,000 attendees that uh, came to Dreamforce. Uh, six, over 16 million people were watching online. There was eight Grammy Award winners, one former president and one World Cup champion. So they basically have sessions and workshops throughout the whole of the four days in you know a myriad of different um, hotels as well as the big uh, conference center, Moscone. And they had over 2,700 sessions. They also had 27 product uh, uh, launches. There was 1,579 new certifications and 14,464 new Trailhead badges. Now, this was a stat that I thought was a bit bizarre because it was basically, there's 14,464 Trailhead badges completed and 171,000 attendees. So I'm assuming this includes people online as well completing the Trailhead badges? Over that period, um, I don't I guess know. So. I mean, I mean, I, 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 I've been to Dreamforce a couple of times, and I haven't had any chance to do anything else other than network or attend talks. So even then, yeah. you know, I, I <laughs> you mean you didn't get the swag? You mean you didn't get the many <laughs> hacks and get swag? Well, I did. I did do that once. I got a. Uh, I think. Two years ago, I got the Bose headphones. I won the mini hack. Uh, yes. uh, yeah, so that was good. But uh, I guess, you know, because it's so busy, uh, it's, know, and you, it, you kind it of... It is all about collaboration. People, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're talking to them. You have this, you go there with a plan saying, I'm going to go... All these sessions. And I'm <laughs> do that. Yeah, that session, this session. And you go there and your plan is in disarray, five minutes yeah. into great voice. I, I think... I remember I was, I was supposed to be meeting up with somebody uh, to organize a session that we we're doing on the Friday because we had done zero prep for it. And I remember just trying to move out of one of the zones and just yeah. constantly people turning up and going, oh, I haven't seen you for like two years and have a bit of a natter. Then you move like 100 yards and you see somebody else. And yeah, it's a little bit mental. But um, And the funny, funny thing is it's people from the UK, you know, yeah, sometimes exactly, yeah. it's like you, you catch up with them all over, you know, the, the West Coast. Uh, yeah, exactly, France, yeah. so it's funny. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, going back to your point, it seems like it, it must be that they, they're counting on online trade heads as well in this yeah because, otherwise it would be like 12 badges per yeah. attendee which well, would be a bit mental Keir Bowden was there too so he you know he's oh, probably a did a hunt. Uh, yeah exactly he, probably a couple he, of hundred in his himself <laughs> I think the 14,000 is just him and then a few others <laughs> yeah, possibly sorry Keir <laughs> yeah uh, so that's cool um, also though, actually there was a really cool 
local, they basically invited 250 local middle schoolers uh, to do STEM activities. And that actually was really cool. I actually got kind of hacks and then basically mm-hmm. presented them. And people kind of, I think they were scored by some judges to see who was the, you know, the, who was the winner. Uh, and then, you know, they won some swag, uh, basically. But that was really cool. So they had these activities for them all through the week and then this kind of presentation and kind of award ceremony kind of near the end. Uh, so that's quite cool. Um, and also, it was the most sustainable Dreamforce ever. With, what does uh, that mean? So basically, it were well, I think it was just for the Salesforce employees and kind of on site. So basically, we uh, there was a hundred percent offset water usage. Um, there was no beer uh, during lunch. It was all water. Um, there was uh, all the on site carbon and emissions and employee travel emissions were all kind of offset as well. Uh, and also, there was quite uh, you kind of noticed there was actually less swag this year, or it felt like oh, it anyway. No. Not to be negative, Nelly. Uh, you know, I don't know if that phrase still applies, but uh, <laughs> you know, the most sustainable Dreamforce would be online Dreamforce. I would have thought wow, because yeah, we burnt a lot of fuel, uh, flying to San Francisco from all over the world, or driving from the states. So you know, in a way, I know uh, you know they try to be sustainable at Dreamforce, but I wonder if it was countered by all the people. Uh, burning all that gas yeah but the thing is they've hit capacity anyway now so it's been for a couple of years so they got 171,000 uh this year but it was yeah. kind of it wasn't it last year and the year before it was 170,000 so it hasn't really changed so we're all up, you know and I also heard that the expo floor was open to the public on the third or fourth day. Is yes, that- exactly. Yeah, I, I was actually going to a session where I saw the queues of people waiting for their badges. There was quite a lot of people. Well, it wasn't too bad, actually. I think I'd already got, I'd already gone to the expo before then. So, but actually, the whole expo was felt a lot different this year. It wasn't like rows and rows and rows of sponsors. Uh, it was a lot more kind of. You could move around a lot more easily, and the sponsors seem to be kind of a lot more integrated into all the Salesforce booths and things as well. So it so, did feel feel so a lot nicer list- actually. For our listeners who've never been to Dreamforce, can you paint a picture of uh, what? Uh, yes. What- yeah, exactly. What what is the not, not the ex- just the expo, but all of the different areas that Dreamforce that look like what was it like? They yeah, so they kind of literally take over the whole of San Francisco. So you'll have different hotels specializing in kind of different areas. So you'll have like one hotel will be kind of dedicated for nonprofit uh, or generally nonprofit and sessions happening in there. Then you may have another one that's kind of got some industry verticals in it. So like financial or uh, SMB. Uh, then you've got uh, Moscone West, which has all the kind of the admin developer trailhead type zones in there. They, so they had an architect can... zone this year too, right? Yeah, they did. And that was actually really good. Um, so mm-hmm. they had a dedicated theater doing sessions, architecture sessions. So I did my architecture session there that was really good. And also I didn't realize, but actually right next to it as well, I didn't realize this until kind of later on in the week, they actually had a blueprints area, um, which was a bit more of a collaborative architectural chat and discussion, which actually I, th- I, I basically think the architect, this architect 
kind of area just needs to double in size. It was there's so many people interested in it. Yeah, but yeah, really good for this year. Yeah, great idea. But that was all kind of within the trailhead zone as well. Mm-hmm. And um, but then you've got Moscone North and Moscone South. Now these are just like massive. They're essentially like aircraft hangars, huge <laughs> rooms, basically. And um, Moscone North was the expo floor. So this is where all the partners, all the ISVs, uh, all the uh, consultancy partners are all in there as well in this in this room, as well as some of the – they were kind of spread out across the other – um, hotels and stuff as well, but mostly in this big room. And also you had Salesforce's kind of product booths and things in there as well. But yeah, it was utterly massive, this room. But it didn't feel too claustrophobic and crowded as it's been in previous years. Uh, and there just seemed to be a lot less sponsors in there, which actually was quite nice. What happened in previous years, you'd get kind of several of the same sponsors or ISVs doing a similar thing. And it was like, well, I kind of think of the expo floor. Whenever I'm talking to clients or people that I know that are going there for the first time, I kind of think of it as kind of like the art of the possible floor or room. (laughs) It's kind of of just understanding all the stuff you could potentially do with Salesforce. So, you know, one of them might go, oh, this could, you know, really solve a problem for me. But it's kind of just understanding just the whole capabilities of the platform as a whole. It's quite, you know... So it's a great, you know, great room to walk around for that. But yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, and then also there's also parties, obviously, in the evening, and uh, from sponsors or from ISVs doing, you know, for Salesforce things. But also, uh, so Fleetwood Mac was the headliner. Yeah, how was the how was the concert? Is the uh, no, it's really good. It was in the um, the place that nobody mentions because it's. Oracle Park. So uh, we don't. <laughs> yeah. We're just quite hilarious. It's the anti anti cloud park, is it? Yeah, anti cloud park. Yeah, <laughs> but no, no, it was good. It was good. Um, no, yeah, it's the first. I didn't. I didn't go. I haven't been there actually before. I kind of usually miss the party. It's usually kind of pretty crazy. But actually, I kind of walked down and walked back, and actually, it was quite. It's quite nice actually. It's only like 15, 20 minute walk. So. Good stuff. So yeah. what were your highlights for Dreamforce? My highlights, I think actually it was quite interesting because this year, so I've kind of been predicting this for a while. So um, so essentially you've got all these Salesforce developers that have been work, working on feature parity between Classic and Lightning. And as you know, it's now pretty much there. So then you've got all these developers kind of rolling, you know, what else are they going to do? Well, they're going to have to be working on new functionality and new stuff. And I think like this year, there was just, well, as like, there's 27 product launches. It was like lots of new stuff coming onto the platform. So I think this is kind of a, a symptom of that kind of move, these developers moving over and kind of starting creating a lot more functionality. So there's loads of of stuff to talk about the kind of one thing that um or their kind of theme for the whole conference was the customer 360 truth this was saying that what is the single source of the truth of a customer and that we understand you know there's other enterprise tools that you have and applications and it's all about kind of linking and bringing that all together both in a kind of a salesforce product set as well as all your kind of other applications cool. you have within your enterprise and customer 360 is not a new idea in fact salesforce do you have something called customer 360 uh, or is it 
maybe one of the other cloud providers did. But what what features or set of features kind kind of make this a unique customer three hundred and sixty proposition? I've never kind of called it out, but there's always been this you know mm-hmm. three hundred and sixty degree truth of the customer. But it's always been in a sense of looking at just Salesforce and just Salesforce products. Mm-hmm. And so if it's not in Salesforce, it doesn't exist, this kind of you know thinking. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it feels to me that they've kind of shifted that a bit to say, well, actually, it may not all exist in Salesforce. Uh, you may have other enterprise you know, applications. And it's all about kind of linking them together and making that truth uh, or 360 degree customer view from Salesforce, but by linking all these applications together that aren't necessarily Salesforce. So is there any specific concrete new feature that enables this, or is it just a marketing repackaging of existing features? <laughs> I think I think they're pushing MuleSoft a lot more. So essentially, MuleSoft is the driver for this. So yeah, but I think it's more of that. And you know, this is our focus. We want to. You can view your customer mm-hmm. in three hundred sixty degrees, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's all Salesforce. So I think yeah, it's a lot more marketing. I think than anything, but it's also kind of gives a little bit of an indication of what where Salesforce might be going architecturally. <laughs> Speaking of where Salesforce is going architecturally, I think the surprising yet very, very exciting announcement of Evergreen uh, is welcome news. Uh, Can you talk a bit about that? So I think it surprised a lot of people. And from my point of view, I think I hope they get it right because it's going to change uh, the game. Yeah, that is a kind of like a monumental change Mm -hmm. essentially what salesforce is doing i think this is linked somehow to the aws kind of strategic partnership they also announced but essentially it's bringing in serverless functions onto the platform and microservices as well and this basically means that you can create kind of chunks of code or functions that are very highly scalable but also and i think this is probably key is that you can write them in Apex, but you can also write them in Java and Node.js. And I think this is the big thing, because essentially, previous to this, you've either got kind of Heroku sitting on one side and the Salesforce platform sitting another. And on the Salesforce platform, essentially, it's pretty much proprietary code. Obviously, now Lightning Web Components has kind of moved away from proprietary code, which is brilliant. But essentially, Apex, you know, Visual Force, all the kind of traditional languages within the platform have all been proprietary language. Whereas now the bringing in evergreen and this kind of serverless functional uh, way of developing, you can now develop on different languages. And Node.js um, has is a brilliant, if you've not used it before, it's, a, it's basically a Java, server-side JavaScript type language. But the key thing is that it's got over a million different packages that you can import and use. So you can basically create all kinds of, um, you reuse those packages, you know, really easily. So if you want to kind of create a PDF from some data, you know, you can do it in a handful of lines of code if you wanted to using these kind of packages. So it means that we can kind of develop a lot quicker. Also, because they are kind of 
very, very scalable, we can fire lots and lots and lots of uh, requests at these functions. And uh, I know, especially like the Lambda functions on AWS, I know companies that use it where they're kind of firing um, millions of requests per second to functions within Lambda. So, and it's the same function and it just scales kind of effortlessly. So yeah, this is, I think it's really exciting. Is this Salesforce's way of saying, here's an additional scalable platform where you can do uh, heavy duty stuff. So, you know, stuff that takes a long, lot of time or you're limited because of governor limits or whatever on the platform. So it's presumably because they're letting you run Java functions, Node.js functions, all of the governor limits that usually restrict you from doing things on the Salesforce platform, you can go do do this on the Evergreen platform. And is this exactly and is this truly serverless? So in the sense that you gave Lambda uh, as an example uh, with AWS where you build an application that acts as a function. Uh, and these things are smallish applications in a sense. So you kind of call them, they are stateless, they you give them the data and they return something back or they perform an action. So is it very, very similar to that or are there differences between uh, a true serverless proposition versus what Evergreen is going to provide? So don't know. No, so but but it is within its own container serverless runtime. Mm-hmm. So which um so it is off platform. Well it's still yeah, I'm assuming it's off platform. You're still kind of connecting to your Salesforce org, um, but you can basically those yeah those governor limits essentially uh, less of them apply, obviously. Uh, but you also can connect to other managed data sources like Postgres, uh, Reddit, Redis. Um, so does that mean it's uh, it's connected through the serverless or serverless functions, or can we go straight from Salesforce to a Redis or Kafka database? I'm assuming there must be some some security around it, but yeah, you can basically call out to a Postgres database mm. from your Node.js application, basically. Okay. I guess it, uh, maybe you don't, nobody knows the answer to this because the details are not out here. My, my question is, how is this? You can set up a... It is stored within... It is all stored though, so you can so you can basically directly create these uh, serverless functions from um, and these serverless functions will then access that database. And yeah, can then access that database and Salesforce org uh, as well. As well, and you can also use Apex, so that's exciting. So, yes, you exactly. You, which is really interesting as well. Yeah, so yeah, you can just code it in Apex as well. Cool. So that means that uh, especially in insurance, so the domain that I work in. One of the big challenges is creating lots and lots of policy documents. I mean, in the, in the States, sometimes these policy documents can be 50 or 60 pages long because of all the legalese disclaimers and all of that stuff. And creating a PDF on the fly within uh, on Salesforce is not easy, even with you know advanced no. solutions. So I think this could be, and I think the, the demo that they did was a, about creating a PDF, which was just one page. But you can imagine yeah. creating PDFs asynchronously on a Node.js or Java platform, which will be, should possibly be faster than creating it on Apex on Celsius platform because yeah. it's not working with metadata. But also, but also, this can be packaged in an ISV app as well. Exactly. So that, which is which is another big it thing. It is. Yeah. I mean, ISVs now will now have the option to 
go crazy in a sense. I mean, it all depends on the commercials, yeah. obviously, but uh, you, they could bring in some heavy processing logic into Salesforce. They no longer have to call an API endpoint to do something externally because that's what they were doing uh, so far. And, you know, if you have an API endpoint yeah, exactly. and you have latency, but also, I think because you've got it's that kind of paradigm is the the person getting the ISV app can see that this you know they're connecting to something off platform, but they have really no idea what data is being piped off exactly. you know, <laughs> to that uh, ISV. So bring it into the platform. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, then you can visually see the security of it and know that actually this Node.js function or whatever is still kind of running essentially within the Salesforce platform um, as a whole, and therefore the security is such that you know nothing's being exposed outside onto the internet. Um, but yeah, so these functions, these serverless functions, basically can be called from like uh, change data capture events or platform events or directly from Apex or f- uh, uh, Flow Builder. So you can basically call those serverless, event, um, serverless functions from those and based on those events happening. Uh, and that's basically how you'd kind of kick them off from a Salesforce org. Pretty cool. I mean, when is this coming out? I think it's in developer beta now. So, so that, yeah, so it'll be lin- limited developer preview of Evergrain will be available from spring 20 release in February. So you can sign up and I'll put a link uh, in the show notes if you do want to sign up for updates and things of when you can sign up. Cool. Go Andy Fawcett. I think he probably yeah. behind this. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I think so too. Yeah. The other thing I, I have no idea about, I haven't been told, but you know, they drink their own Kool Aid, you know, and we've seen that even with web components. You know, they started using web components way before you know they released it to their customers. So, is there actually other functionality within the platform that they're actually moving over to this kind of model? And if so, does that mean that we're going to get the kind of the benefits from that from actually within the platform, either Apex or whatever it may be, you know, relaxing of certain limits or a different way to consume and pay for uh, things within the platform? So I think, yeah, I think it's really exciting. Looking forward to it. What else? Again, with this AWS strategic partnership, they've actually created some trailheads on AWS. So this strategic partnership thing, I mean, last year or the year before it was at Microsoft, the year before that <laughs> yeah. was at Google or something like that. So what is this? You know, it, it, after Dreamforce, people tend to forget these quote unquote strategic partnerships. It's like, okay, we've talked about it, but it doesn't go anywhere, if you know what I mean. I have a funny that this is this, this is going to see staying around a little bit longer because even do you remember like I think it was two years ago Salesforce announced they were going to be spending I think it was around eight hundred million dollars on AWS and also well, I think it's all of Canada and is it Australia? Not Australia, uh, definitely Canada. All the instances in Canada all run off AWS as well. So I think if they've proven it in the last couple of years and actually made this link and i do think that actually aws can benefit from a lot of salesforce things that they're doing as well so i think they it'll be a good partnership uh for both of them actually Mm. um because aws marketing isn't brilliant (laughs) (laughs) to say the least uh, and training and things like that so uh yeah so it should be good but also yeah one of the other elements that's come out of the strategic partnership is cloud voice or um and the basically linking up 
I think they announced it last year or the year before last, was AWS Connect linking into Salesforce. Uh, and AWS Connect is essentially a CTI, IVR, telephone tool. So um, you can basically screen, pop your screen when people call or log calls automatically and all this kind of stuff. But actually this year, they've kind of created a much more integrated uh, tool into the platform. So rather than a kind of a managed app and having to spin up a AWS Connect instance within AWS, it's now just an extra fee on Service Cloud. It's called Service Cloud Voice and it uses AWS Connect under the hood. But they did a great demo uh, basically, a CTI, somebody talking to somebody on, la, on, to, on the other end of the phone, and the, the call was being immediately scripted and displayed in the case feed of the record. Uh, and then also other things like Einstein call coaching, so um, based on the number of product mentions or competitor product mentions, it can flag different calls. Uh, and also, kind of, if you could kind of tag and record calls as well. So, this is, you know, it's. It's quite interesting. I think it's still, you know, early days, but it's some really cool stuff coming out of it. Um, so, yeah, that was quite interesting. That's cool. Uh, the, so the, it looks like they're trying to integrate Einstein more into the service cloud side of things and using some of the AWS uh, uh, infrastructure to do this or toolkit to enable this. So does that mean the service cloud, we're looking at a revamp of how service cloud will work going forwards, or is this, this just additional enhancements? This this looks like just an additional enhancement, mm -hmm. just as an extra add-on to Service Cloud. So Service Cloud Voice, but who knows? They are one of the other announcements they did make, which was is can everybody can benefit from. Was actually they're exposing um, opportunity Einstein opportunity scoring for everybody that has Ooh. enterprise or above. Oh, nice in their orgs which is quite yeah. cool so i think that's maybe down to the fact that people buy you know it's a bit of a hard will einstein actually benefit your business what is ai how does it work and i think this is a way of getting everybody a little bit of a toe in the water to see what einstein can do without committing to the cost which i think is and if brilliant. you pay the cost what else do you get what are the features do you get uh, out of the box so it's different depending on, so they've kind of grouped it in the mm -hmm. clouds. So there's sales cloud Einstein, service cloud Einstein and things like that. So it depends on which one you get. So sales cloud Einstein is essentially kind of looking at, for example, if a lead comes into your system and it flows through to an opportunity, it then kind of goes through your opportunity stages, more information gets kind of populated on and eventually you get a one opportunity, then it can work out based on the data at the beginning of the sales process under one opportunity, what does good look like? So you can basically see what opportunities are potentially going to be converting and going to become a one sale versus ones that are not. So you might you know, get a bit of an early warning. Nice. All right. Cool. Yeah. Lots of innovation happening on the platform. Besides uh, yeah, so they also... Oh, sorry. No, so I was just going to say, besides uh, Evergreen, was there any other announcement that surprised you from a dev and architecture point of view? Yeah, there was one that actually surprised me, and I've actually had a bit of a play around with it, and that is you can develop LWC locally on your computer without having to essentially save your components back up to Salesforce and reload your page. 
So essentially, this is LWC local development is currently in beta. Um, it also kind of proxies to your org. So you get your kind of live data appearing in your components. But essentially, as you're typing your code, and if you look at the browser, it's immediately updating. Uh, and also, it's got you know other features as well, you know better debugging and stuff like that. Uh, it does doesn't support everything, so it doesn't support all base components, and also it hasn't doesn't support locker service yet. But it is quite cool. It's kind of um, inline debugging, and you can kind of click on where the issue is in Visual Studio, uh, and it will jump straight to the code. So when you get an error appearing in your browser, you can kind of click on the error and it immediately jumps to that line of the code within Visual Studio. So it is, looks pretty cool. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we, so we had Chris Gray, who, who actually worked on this at the last London Developer User Group. And he gave a talk on this. Uh, I think it's probably a repeat of his Dreamforce talk, but it was uh, he gave a talk to the local London user group, and it's on the YouTube YouTube channel. So, if any of our listeners want to check it out to find out a bit more about the local uh, like LWC development, then check out the London Salesforce Developers YouTube channel. Cool. We'll cool. put it in the show notes. Yeah, I, I think it's quite interesting. Uh, the I think even though they call it local lightning development, you still need internet to kind of get there. Yes, for the data, the data and all of that and, stuff. So yeah. uh, it's localish yeah. lightning development. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because few people were surprised that oh, then why do I need the internet to do this? It's local, but then you know you kind of have to do this. Uh, there is some internet involved because Salesforce is in the cloud. <clears throat> So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it was, it's very interesting. Again, uh, LWC, there's just so many things happening so quickly. It's just so difficult to keep up. Yeah. And uh, Salesforce themselves are kind of yeah. going through this iteration of classic to lightning to LWC. So, um, yeah, exciting times for developers, I would say for sure. What else was there? There was also, uh, just on the kind of smaller things, um, there was data, a new lightning sand, well, they say a new lightning sandbox called uh, Lightning Sandbox, surprising enough. <laughs> and this is basically a new full sandbox, which allows you to do data masking. So essentially, you can kind of just scramble the data in the fields and it's uh, data uh, field type smart so it knows if it's a time or date field it will scramble based on you know a, to a different date it can do a, a pseudonym kind of changes so francis becomes george or something like that so you know change names and also you can just flag fields for deletion so that was quite cool um so you can basically kind of obfuscate data you need a, a special sandbox. sandbox for that i thought it's a feature for well it was a package well, it's, I don't know. I've seen it. I've seen it as shown as a separate sandbox. So when you kind of go in to create your sandbox, there is this new version of a Lightning sandbox. But then on the flip side, the whole data masking is actually a package. So I'm not 100% hmm. okay. sure. It's the way I understood this, uh, understood the the feature based on the demo was that it's a it's an additional feature you buy, and when you're cloning a sandbox, you just kind of say data mask uh, this sandbox. Um, and then it just kind of obfuscates and pseudonymizes the data. Yeah, and you get the option to choose which fields yeah, you want to do what yeah. on. Okay, cool. Yeah, but I think this this should be a big news for all the CISOs and all the information security officers out there who are 
who uh, who gape at the fact that uh, or surprised at the fact that when we clone a full copy sandbox, it actually copies the data. And they're like, wait, do you mean we have all the production data in the sandbox, <laughs> even if it's test? And then, you know, a lot of big enterprise companies then have to run scripts to anonymize the data. But I guess this inbuilt feature will help a yeah. lot. You should keep those security yeah, officers uh, happy. So, yeah, fantastic. Yep. That's, a, that's another good feature. And actually, uh, talking about security, that's you've improved the uh, transaction security policies within Salesforce. So um, this is a way of essentially when something happens in your org, you can basically trigger it to either alert somebody or block the request. And up to now, it's just been Apex code you'd have to write. So for example, if somebody tries to run a report that tries to grab loads of data or you know downloads a report that has loads of data within it like all the accounts or something like this you can basically put a rule that kind of immediately reports mm-hmm. that incident um, whereas now you can still create those apex bits of code to kind of trigger these policies but also but now they've got a declarative way of doing it as well so you can actually if you're an admin or a dev and you just want to create a declarative policy you can based on a number of rules, as well as all the logging now becoming near real-time or essentially real-time logging of uh, things happening in the org rather than having to wait however long. Was it six hours or 24 hours for the logs? So happy to hear all this non-confetti-related enhancements on the platform. I had given hope after after the confetti thing was released, but yeah, this gives me hope. One of my favorite sessions at Dreamforce is um, True to the Core, which essentially has all the product managers sitting in there, or a lot of them. uh, And you can basically ask them any questions you like and say, yeah, essentially it's a, why on earth does Salesforce do this? And they kind of go, yeah, you're absolutely right. We'll see if we can get that into the roadmap or whatever it may be. And actually, there was a couple of announcements at that which were quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Ideas exchange. Uh, basically, they got a new way of voting for ideas. So you can still vote and say, hey, I want these ideas. But then what Salesforce will do is kind of bring us into their kind of planning a bit further. And what they do is they'll look at all those top ideas and then say, okay, which ones are blockers, i.e. we can't uh, can't implement due to some underlying technology issue or something like that. They'll remove those and then get a short list of, say, 20. And then they'll give those to us. And then we'll get 100 coins to put against those kind of top 20 ideas and then we basically got to spend we could put like 20 coins all on one or 100 coins all on one uh, but it's got to just count up to 100 and then based on that those are then the ideas will get implemented in the next release or forthcoming releases and how is that better than what they what they have now what they have now is because you can vote on everything uh it's some of them they just can't do because they've got this underlying kind of kind of uh, uh, technology that just doesn't allow them to kind of fit. It's a very hard problem to solve. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of doing this kind of process internally and coming up with the top 20 and then focusing and then choosing themselves which ones they're going to do rather than involving the customers. So essentially, it's getting us closer to deciding what we want into the platform. Uh, so I think it's a, yeah, a good step in the right direction. And uh, how do they select uh 
who should get the coins? Is it the people who voted on the original idea? Anybody. No, anybody. anybody. That's cool. So you literally, and if you go to ID Exchange mm-hmm. now, so it's it's not like it goes live in January. I think they've got some test ones in there. Yeah. So if you go to success.salesforce.com slash idea search, mm-hmm. and then you'll see they've got the ideas, but you've got another tab called prioritization. Ah. And so in here, you can see, and then, yeah, so the next start cycle, they're saying it starts January the 20th. So yeah, they just had it in test for a little while. And you can see here, auto add new custom fields to report types. Hmm which has got the most most coins, 70,000 coins. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's definitely a, a, an improvement to just voting on all ideas. So this is another level of prioritization yeah. from the community. Exactly. That's yeah. good. And also what they're actually going to work, the next piece of work they're going to look at is known issues and actually getting that a lot more transparent and accurate and give more information, maybe more collaboration. So rather than just us saying, yes, this affects me, but actually get a bit of a collaboration going between customers as well. That sounds good as well. Cool. Yeah, it's definitely an improvement. And I look forward to using this prioritization feature. I like gold coins. So yeah. <laughs> especially the virtual ones. You have to give them away. You have to give them away though. Give them I to know, Salesforce. I know. Can you can give you them trade back. them? Can you trade them with Bitcoins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, uh, what else is happening? There is uh, Trailhead Go mobile app, uh, which was launched just before Dreamforce. I haven't um, tried it yet. Uh, does it support offline? No, it doesn't. So it's so we could have just used the the Safari browser then. Yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah that was my special. first question it's, it was a good start but it's not offline so basically a wrapper but yeah hope, if it's offline then that would be a big win but other than that yeah. we just you know safari wrapper and a app exchange app it's, yeah yeah and, and there is some things that have kind of been cut out of it so it, but it's a first it's a first stab which is not too bad but yeah i think um, they must be thinking of doing it offline but I, don't know I think quite. that's probably the way they're going. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, exactly. we have to give them a hard time so that they can well, do it. Quickly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You want it now. <laughs> uh, cool. And then, yeah, and then Tableau, because I've used Tableau a little bit in the past, and a couple of projects have always used uh, kind of Salesforce to Tableau integrations. And so now Tableau is owned by Salesforce. Yeah, I kind of wanted a bit more knowledge about that. Uh, and that. And how is. Tableau going to work with its uh, stepbrother Einstein Analytics. So I don't think they figured that out because it's still quite a new acquisition. But I, I kind of got there's been so many projects that I've kind of been involved in or know that the Salesforce org has been linked to Tableau. Uh, and I, I also, you know, because it's local for those, it's mainly for the kind of the banks, the regulated industries that I've kind of seen Tableau in because then you kind of keep your data within your own data center and just do mashups to Salesforce. But there is a lot more, the visualizations, there's loads more visualizations. Um, They've got kind of got this AI powered kind of visualization recommendation. So based on the data, it kind of suggests the visualizations that you could use. Also, they've got this kind of ask data natural language where you can just basically talk at it and ask for data in a certain way and it kind of returns it. 
in that way. So there's things like that, which is kind of quite interesting. But yeah, we will have to see. Uh, I think the main thing is kind of improving the integration. I think it kind of goes back to this kind of customer 360 and how do they make the kind of that experience between the core Salesforce platform and Tableau kind of just seamless. And there is kind of like this app called Tableau Sparkler, which allows you to kind of get single sign-on between Tableau and Salesforce and also allows you kind of to push data backwards and forwards using this kind of middleware thing. But it does require some tin or setup intern inside your organization. But And Tableau is, well, it's primarily used for visualization, right? Uh, is it? Yeah. Can it be used for AI sort of things like Einstein can be or... Our tablet is purely I, focused on the visualization and trend analysis. Yeah, they're bringing. Yeah, I think so. They're bringing more AI stuff in, like this, a kind of AI-powered recommendations. But yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. Yeah, I've only just used it really for reports and dashboards and mashing it with kind of internal data or you know bigger data sets. So it'll be interesting, especially around security. You know, passing over the same security rules over, so I see the data. In, based on the same permissions I have in Salesforce and that kind of stuff. Uh, we get to see that kind of thing happening. So, What was your favorite talk at Dreamforce? Apart from your own talks, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite talk. Actually, one I got pulled in on the first day for a session on newbies to Dreamforce. So it's kind of like mm -hmm. um, six people who'd never been to Dreamforce before, kind of answering their questions and kind of, getting them set where the way they should go and things like that. And that was really great, which had nothing to do with the platform or anything. But my favorite session, I think my favorite session was a session I'm not allowed to talk about. <laughs> and Ooh. that that was an MVP's meet the maker session. So this was essentially the same as True to the Core, where you got lots of product managers there. We had um, CIO, CTO, you know, that kind of level in there. But it was basically all the MVPs or all the MVPs that came to Dreamforce being able to ask kind of more candid questions. And also as they knew that we were all under NDA anyway, they could kind of reply and kind of say things that they couldn't potentially say in a more open forum. So that, yeah, that was really good. So all the things they want to say on Twitter, this can say that in that forum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Fair enough. Uh, no, no, yeah, yeah. So that, that was really good. But it's, it's kind of good to understand, you know, where they think they're taking the platform or, uh, yeah, things like that. So, no, I mean, you know, in summary, for me at least, uh, looking or watching all the these different sessions remotely, uh, it's quite heartening to see that they're doing uh, investing so much in making so many innovations, especially for the developers and architects, because yeah. uh, with, with DX, with Evergreen and all of that, it just opens more opportunities. It also makes it easier to bring people who are uh, hardcore developers onto the platform. You know, there's yeah, a constant totally. messaging from Salesforce, like, you know, it's uh, it's a no-code, low-code environment, which is, which is true. And obviously, you only see the advantages after you start working on it. But to uh, attract talent from outside of Salesforce, it's useful to also kind of demonstrate that you can do stuff on Salesforce, but you also have flexibility to then build or use a language like Node.js, Java. Yeah. And I hope they extend the languages supported on Evergreen so that it's it's an easy introduction for these uh, developers outside of the ecosystem to start uh, 
building on top of Celsius platform. Yeah, so, I think it's so yeah, very good. Because it is bringing, and I'm sure they will, because it's kind of like merging and blurring the lines between Heroku and Salesforce, essentially. Mm-hmm. So if you're kind of bringing more of that tech into that space on the Salesforce platform, that would be brilliant. Yeah. Any closing thoughts? I think Barack Obama talk was, inc- I think, yeah, if of all the sessions, that was kind of really incredible. Um, just listening to him talk, listening about, you know, and everything he was kind of saying was very simple. <laughs> Almost it sounded, oh yeah, that's so obvious. But, you know, how do you get the new leaders into companies and how do you kind of inspire people that have a similar um, way of thinking and way of working into your organization? So that was really good. Yeah, I think uh, it was also one of the most oversubscribed talks uh, from what I hear. The uh, the YouTube video that you posted for the line or queue outside for his talk yes. was uh, quite something. It started was... in San Francisco and ended in San Jose, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. And they said that somebody told me, yeah, they started people started queuing at three a.m. to get in. That's crazy. Well, I, I'm sure yeah. it was worth it. You know, seeing the man. Uh, live in person you know he's uh he's a good good uh, orator but also uh you know so many things to learn from him so cool yeah yeah and right. i think also this was definitely the dream force for the most new innovation on the platform i think so uh yeah the amount of new stuff that's coming in or come in uh is quite incredible so yeah very excited for the future i think um but also Oh my God, there's so much more to learn. <laughs> I know, I know. I can't, I can't wait. I think this Christmas is going to be busy for us. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All, the, yeah. all right. Awesome. Thank you, Francis. Thanks for sharing your uh, insight on uh, Dreamforce 2019. Um, and thanks all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify. Where, are, where else are we? Everywhere. Just to subscribe everywhere. everywhere and vote everywhere. us up on everything. Exactly. Just say we're brilliant. <laughs> and subscribe to everything and you know, just say five stars. Because yeah, even if you don't mean it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, just like it helps us because uh, well it's more people get because, to see yeah, appears exactly. on their feeds and stuff. So yeah, and the money will be in the post. post. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's the answer. No gold, gold coins. Gold coins, yeah. I'll send you more. Virtual gold coins. There you go. You can vote on more ideas. (laughs) All right. See you, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, all. Yes, Bye. bye.